This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Hall of Famer Alan Fanica, and you're listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest for Two. Welcome to part two of this week's I Test for Two podcast. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we're both Pro Football Hall of Fame voters, joined as always by our Hall of Fame producer, Ian Glendon. Now, yesterday, we promised you that we'd have a special guest for this program. You know something? He's here with us right now. Jason Light, general manager of the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Jason, thanks for your time. Much appreciated. Uh, Jason, I'm going to start with this. Um, I asked Coach Arians, Jason, a few weeks ago, what's the moment it really sunk in? What's the moment it sunk in that you were Super Bowl champs? Jason, what he said was when we are the champions, we're playing over the loudspeakers at the boat parade. What was Jason Light's Super Bowl moment? It would be something similar. It would be definitely on the boat with Bruce and I had my family on the boat as well. And my kids were holding the trophy and standing in front of me at the, the bow. And uh, I was, uh, had my arm around Bruce and I pointed at the, the crowds, um, you know, lining up the, the river. And we had, um, we are the champions were playing on our boat as well. And, uh, it was, it was the same moment. I looked at him and I was like, holy blank. This is, this is awesome. This is, uh, it really like, uh, does it get any better than this? I, I told my wife, I said, besides our wedding um, and the birth of our children, this is the best ever. And then she looked at me and she goes, no, I think it's even better than the wedding. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> JL, we're going to, we're going to leave that for another show, Mr. Lights. <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> Hey, Jason, I'd be remiss. You, you know me. Um, so I do have to ask you about the, the Antonio Brown situation. Are you concerned, Jason? Is there a chance he will not be a Buccaneer uh, in 2021? No, not concerned. Plan all along is to have him come in. I think he's coming in Monday to sign. Okay. So not, not a big issue, Jason. Not nope. a big issue. Nope. Uh, Jason, one more quick one for me before I turn it over to Clark. Um, Jason, the lean years, you know, 2014, uh, 2018, did you ever think, Jason, did you ever think that it was going to turn around like this? How how could you have thought that? I, you know, obviously we went through some, some tough times, but, you know, I have a fantastic staff on my end and we have a fantastic coaching staff with Bruce, obviously, and Todd and those guys. But I, we all saw the talent here. We saw the talent. We needed to get the culture right. 
And that happened when Bruce got here. That started to flip with Bruce. And because of the great guys that we have in the locker room with Levante and JPP and Sue, I mean, we go on and on. But once um, once Bruce came, it started to flip, started to believe. And then when we added Tom at quarterback, I, I felt, okay, now this has really got it. We've really got a chance to really solidify the culture in this locker room. And we have all the pieces in place. And I thought last year at this point that there was a real legit shot that we could, that we could win this. Speaking with Jason Light, general manager of the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Bucks on the eye test for two. And Jason, I'm so glad you joined us because uh, I remember once talking to Jimmy Johnson about Super Bowls. And he said the hardest thing about coaching was not winning a Super Bowl. It was winning a second one because of the distractions, shortened season, free agency, contract demands, you name it, that followed the first one. But your off season is so good, at least on paper, that you will have, I think, all 22 starters back. And, and that wasn't supposed to happen, I didn't think. But somehow you made it happen. How did you manage that? And did even that surprise you? When we were at the bull parade, speaking of the bull parade again, and Bruce got on stage and said that we're going to bring you all back. And I also had a few, uh, uh, <laughs> I was hydrated pretty well. Um, and, and I doubled down on it. And then um, <laughs> I looked at my wife and I said, oh, no, how, how are we going to do this? But I didn't know at the time that it hadn't been done since, what is it, 77 or whatever? Yeah, yeah. If I would have known that, I probably wouldn't have said it. Because <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, as we started moving along through free agency, Greenberg, Mike Greenberg and Jackie and, and Spytech and the, the whole group here and myself, we really haven't had much much time off at all so I'm looking forward to that this summer but to let it sink in even further but it, it we just started attacking these one at a time there was really no priority um just whichever ones we could get done first and second and third and so on and we kind of found that during this process that everybody everybody wanted to be here and you know I don't want to say they took discounts but it wasn't as difficult as as it would be if we were coming off a nine and seven year that's for sure they all wanted to be here they all love playing for this coach for ba and this coaching staff they all love playing with this quarterback and they love playing with each other it's the best absolute best locker room i've ever been a part of and it's it's so selfless and there's no drama and everybody really wants to win you know it's funny bring up jimmy he's i worked for him for one year one of my my second year in the league um and he sent me a text after the Super Bowl and said, um, now the hard part begins. Right. <laughs> so just like you said. Yeah. And, and you said that this is the best locker room, no drama, nothing that, that you've maybe experienced in other stops. Why do you think that is? I mean, I mean, I know success cures an awful lot of things, but I, I've been around and so have you successful teams where there are those distractions, where there is that drama. Why is Tampa Bay the exception? Well, I think we, we've had so many years here where we were either close to making it or, you know, had, you know, those games where we would, you know, the interception or the fumble or whatever it was, missed field goal away from 
you know, maybe the record was five and 11, but there were just so many games that could have been 10 and six, you know, and, but they were just tired of losing. And now that every, all the players saw the talent that we had, the coach that we had, and it's time to start, stop messing around, stay focused, and let's just worry about winning. So Mike Evans never complained if he had one catch in a game. Uh, Chris Godwin, the same. Uh, Gronk, it goes on and on. Tom Brady doesn't care if he throws for 150 yards as long as we win the game. And I think it starts with him and his selfless attitude that, that just kind of bleeds into everybody else on defense as well. So everybody was just had their eye on, on the prize. And that was Bruce's, uh, you know, first thing he talked about every day in a team meeting is it's, we have one goal is put a ring on our finger this season. So um, forget about everything else. And everybody just followed him. Bruce, speaking of number, uh, um, Jason, speaking of number 12, you saw Brady in 2002, Jason. He was coming off of his first Super Bowl. Then, Jason, you, you see him in mid-career, 2009, 10, 11. And now you see him as a, you know, a, a, a grizzled veteran. He's a few years younger than you are, Mr. Light. That's mean <laughs> I remind you. So, Jason, tra- trace the arc of, of Brady a little bit in terms of his uh, – his leadership, but you, you, you've seen him at different stops in his career. Yeah, I was with the Patriots twice. I was there when we drafted him. And then I left after the 2002 season, went to Philly. And then I went back, my career brought me back to New England in 2009. And you could see early on that he was a natural leader, just a real natural leader. Everybody gravitated to him. Um, We saw it as a rookie. You would see him sitting in the, in the, in the cafeteria and just the entire offensive line, just sitting around him, you know, at the edge of their seat, listening to him talk. And so it was always there. It just, you know, he just got, as he aged, he got more and more comfortable and more better and better with his leadership and leadership is very, very important to him. It's a very important part of being a, a great quarterback. And, and he knows that I would say that the second tenure I was in new England, that's when he started really um, getting into his diet and his health and, and wanting to get ahead of it at that point. So he could play longer and he could play um, and win more um, for his team. So, and then, you know, fast forward to last year when he came here, I would say I don't see much of a difference in him physically than I did in 2009 Um, in terms of throwing the ball, in terms of his uh, just his movement in the pocket. um, It's, it's all very, it's, he is, it's, it's, it's amazing what he's, what he's been able to do with his body. Jason, let's talk about the draft for a second. You know, I talked to you a week or two before the draft, and I, and I think I surprised you because I said, do you feel liberated? And you thought about it, and you said, that's not a bad word, Ira. It's not a bad word. <laughs> but, Jason, in terms of drafting for depth, drafting for special teams, I mean, that's rare, Jason. You, you, you've overseen a lot of drafts, and that's rare for any general manager. So what was it like going into this draft and how, how was it different than, than others in terms of a press lack of a pressing need? Well, I didn't sweat as much. I didn't, uh, I didn't have the, I didn't pit out like I do in most draft rooms um, where you have a big need and you're, you're, you're crossing your fingers and praying that Devin 
you know, doesn't get taken before five or right. the year that we, we had uh, Vita targeted as the guy that we wanted to take. We, we took the trade back with Buffalo, picked up a couple twos and still had to sit there and wait and see if he was, I, I was tempted to move back up that year. Um, I had the, the people in the draft, some people in the draft room were egging me on to move up and still take, but for some reason I sat there, I got lucky that time and still got Vita. But this time we just had, we had a group of players that we thought were going to be there at 32 and let's just sit and wait and we'll be happy with any of these, you know, this group of that realistically could have been there. And uh, Joe was there. So there were others that we could have taken. We would have been happy with, but now that we've taken Joe uh, we're, we're elated and, and we're excited. And it's always nice to pick a, a pass rusher and have some depth there. So um, it was, it was, it was exciting, but it wasn't as, uh, I guess, uh, nerve wracking as in past years. It was fun. We had a lot of fun. We're at Tampa Bay GM, Jason Light on the eye test for two. And Jason, as we've mentioned, you've had several stops in your career, Miami, as you mentioned, uh, New England, Carolina, Philadelphia, Arizona, now Tampa. What's the best advice you ever got and who gave it to you? That's a tough one because I, I work for some legendary. Um, yeah, you have. I was my year was with Shula and then Jimmy Johnson, which just in that one year, just observing him, I didn't realize what I was learning um, until later on. Um, Andy Reid, um, Bill Belichick, obviously, but uh, and now Bruce. You know the one thing that's whether or not you call it the best advice. The, the one thing that sticks with me the most, though, is with Andy Reid, just the way he, as a leader, he would never take the credit when things were going well. He would always pass it on to the people that rightfully deserve it. When things weren't going well, he would always take the blame. And just it, it just it just as an employee for him and his staff, it just motivated us to to do our jobs and to do it at the best we can. And I, I feel like that was some of the best, just uh, observational advice, I guess, I think I've gotten. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Andy finally is getting the credit that he long has deserved with these past two years, but certainly with what he's doing in Kansas City. Um, the fact that you won a Super Bowl here and, and you did it against all odds in, in the city where you're hosting the Super Bowl, it's not supposed to happen, but you guys did it. You did it with a 43-year-old quarterback. That's not supposed to happen either. But for you, how has this changed your life? I mean, do you find that you go into the 7-Eleven, they know who Jason Light is, you know? You go down to the uh, uh, general store and they know who you are. People asking for an autograph. I mean, uh, do you find that your life has changed outside of the office in any way, shape, or form? Not a lot. You know, come, when you have back-to-back 5-11 and 11 seasons, people know who you are too, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess so. <laughs> you uh you can you can you don't have to you can hold your head high now and you can uh you know you're a little bit more you're not you're not noticing people whispering behind your back. I guess that's the biggest thing. But it's we really to be honest with you, we really haven't had the chance to because we've been in here most of the time working on on bringing back all these players, re-signing coaches, um everything that goes on with after you win the Super Bowl and you have contracts that are up, 
So we're, we're really looking forward, my family's really looking forward to taking some time off in June and July um, so we can soak it in a little bit. But it, it's, it's, there has been a much different feel in the building of, and around town. Just, it's, it's really cool to see the fans. They're, they're really, uh, there's a lot of pride in their team and they are very happy. And, you know, you see, you know, we walk through the neighborhood and almost every house has a Bucks flag flying. And mm-hmm. it's just, that just really makes me feel good that this, this, the fans in this town and this area are just really excited about and, and, you know, proud of their team, which makes me feel very good. Jason, I think Ira is one of those people with a Bucks flag outside his house. <laughs> he probably has one from 1977. <laughs> Guaranteed. Uh, Jason, this is a Hall of Fame-centric uh, show. So let me ask you about a guy that you saw on the Patriots. Jason, when you came in, you might have had a hand in drafting the guy. Uh, and Jason, we've debated him a lot on this show, so I'm interested in, in, in your take on sort of what he meant to that New England defense, those first few Super Bowl teams. Richard Seymour, Jason, uh, doesn't get a lot of pub. He doesn't have 100 sacks. But what are your impressions of, of Richard Seymour as a young player and then as you saw him uh, develop through the years? Remember him well. I was, I was the Southeast Area Scout in one of my first years as the Southeast Area Scout. And I think it was Coach Belichick's first year um, at the helm. Um, so did a lot of work on Richard and one thing he was, he, first of all, he's, he's got great size. He's a great athlete and he's very instinctive player. Um, but he was a, he was a very selfless person as well. And I remember the last line in my report was this guy will represent your, our organization, um, very well. He'll be a player that will, um, that we'll be very proud of um, representing us um, after, you know, all the lingo and scout lingo about all the things that he can do. So um, he was just that, just a, not a, like you said, not a lot of production, not like eye stunning production um, on the stat sheet, but on the field, he was just so disruptive. Um, You couldn't run his way. If, 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 if he wasn't getting a sack, if someone else, if somebody was getting a sack, it usually was because of something he did to free that guy up. Um, and just so consistent, just so consistent. And I think that's what made him such a great player in addition to being, you know, strong and quick and all those things, but he was just so consistent and had a really good motor. Jason, last one for me. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, and you know, I, I can't end this without making you cringe a little bit. So I'm going to bring up the words perfect season and, oh, and here we go and and jason in this respect in this respect look you know brady as well as any any nfl personnel guy jason is there anything left for number 12 except going 20 and 0 and putting his name and, and stamping it maybe as uh you know part of the greatest team ever that could have happened in 07 but it didn't jason it didn't because the giants uh, got him so Jason, how much do you cringe when you hear, hey, the Bucs have a chance to be perfect this year? <laughs> well, we go into every game wanting to win the game. That's the goal. And we go into every season wanting to, you know, win the championship. But 
nobody here is talking perfect season. Okay. We just, it's, it's, it's one week at a time. I hate to be cliche there. And I think Brady's gone on record saying he's told me as well, that the best, the best Super Bowl win is the next one. So <laughs> it's, it's, you know, everything gets reset that, you know, the, the championship team is that that's over in Raymond James stadium. That's not here anymore. It's we're, we're starting over now. This is a new team. So we've got to, we've got to take this approach of one week at a time. I'm glad you got to ask that question and not me, (laughs) Jason, a couple last ones for me. Um, You know, at one point last season going into the bye, you were seven and five and I think you'd lost three of your previous four and people were saying, you know what? ain't going to happen. They're not even going to make the playoffs. They've lost to the Saints twice. Even if they make the playoffs, it's not going to happen. But we know what did happen. When did you realize you had something special in the works and that a Super Bowl was at least a possibility? Well, nobody ever lost hope here. I think that second half of the Chiefs game, our offense came to life and everybody started to uh, get on the same page. Um, not that there was animosity or anything like that. It just took some time. And we talked about that during the year at the beginning of the year. I've talked about it with 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 Tom, and he had told me several times this we're it's gonna be mid to late year before we start really, really clicking, and then we'll be we'll be hitting on all cylinders, which is what happened. And and our defense really played well too. But I would say um once we got the who we play after Kansas City. I can't think of the top of my mind. Uh, Minnesota. I think yeah, Minnesota. I would say after the Minnesota game, which is they're always tough. You know, yeah. they're well coached and they always play hard and they have, you know, talent there. I'd say after we beat Minnesota, we thought I thought at least that we have a chance to to run the table here at the, through the rest of the regular season. Yeah, and you did. Um and speaking of Brady, uh is there anything that you learned in the past year about him? that you didn't know either from other stops or in your two previous stops in New England? So when I was with him, the, my first, my, the two times in New England, the two eras that I was there um, in my career, I, I didn't have as much of a personal relationship with him um, as a, in my role there. Um, would see him at practice, talk, you know, have a few sentences here and there, see him in the hallway, but didn't uh, have the relationship I have now. And I, I guess I knew he was a great guy, great leader, all those things, but just how important it is for him to be a normal person um, and around the team and to be not want a special, um, you know, treatment um, wants to be treated like every other teammate. And it's, it's very important to him. I mean, now it's hard for him to be that just because he's Tom Brady, but you know, he'll be walking down the, the hallway and introduce himself to a, a new player that we signed as an undrafted free agent. Hi, I'm Tom Brady. And he has like, no shit, you're Tom Brady, you know, but he's still, <laughs> but he, that's, he just, that just the way he approaches um, his teammates is I didn't realize just how, spe- <clears throat> how special he was in terms of, um, you know, earning their respect. It's important to him. I live up here in New England, and we certainly know how special he was and is up here. And that leads me to my last question, and that is the most 
Ballyhoo game of this year, October 3. You go up there, a Sunday night ball game. I opened this up by asking about how you keep distractions uh, on the side, how you, how you overcome them, how you move forward. Already people are talking about this as this year's game of the century, right? Um, but how do you keep the team, and, and I'm not talking about just you, but Bruce and Tom Brady, uh, keep the team's focus on this is the fourth game of the season. You know, it's, it's important, but it's not that important, yet it's being billed as Brady versus Belichick. Brady going back to New England, maybe his last stand there. It's a big deal about one player, but it involves your entire team. How do you how do you try to keep, and I'm talking about the Tampa Bay Bucks, not just you, that focus on the game and not the player? Yeah, it, it doesn't matter how I feel about it. It, it matters, like you said, it, it's or alluding to it, it matters how the team feels. But I, I can tell you I'm 100% confident that this team is all we're focused on right now is Dallas and that mm-hmm. first game of the season. And they have a – Tom Brady is can compartmentalize as good as anybody in the world. Um, so he's not thinking ahead to that game right now. I'm sure it's – it's you know, you see it on the schedule and you think, oh, that's going to be a fun game. That's going to be cool going back. But it's, it's all about the, the next game. And I think our – Bruce does such a fantastic job of keeping everybody focused on, on the task at hand. So – I mean, once again, sounding, giving you a lot of uh, coach GM speak here, but it, it, it really is true. We're, we don't have any banners or posters hanging up in the, on the walls saying we've got to beat New England. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's just the next game. Jason, I've been a real pleasure. Thanks so much for the time. Best of luck with the season. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason. That was Tampa Bay GM Jason Light and Ira. To me, he's the offseason executive of the year. What they've done in Tampa? It's extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. And I think Ian would agree, but I know you would because we talked earlier in the year about how many of these guys are they going to keep? They kept them all. They kept them all. They might even be better in 2021. That's all Glendon thinking about. That's all (laughs) Ian Glendon thinking about. That's not all he's thinking about because you hear that crowd cheering? Yes, I do. (laughs) Cheering for our weekly I Was There. It's not your time, Ira. It's not my time. It's Ian's chance to tell us where he was and when he was. So, Mr. Ian Glendon, take it away. November the 4th, 2007. I was about three weeks removed from my 21st birthday, and uh, I took a little trip to the Midwest to go watch the Patriots and the Colts. Two, at the time, undefeated teams, I believe 8-0 and 7-0, Randy Moss, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, the whole crew. Perfect season. I, I'm glad you mentioned that earlier. Perfect season on the line. The Patriots come back. Tom Brady hits Randy Moss in the corner of the end zone. And what do you know? They go on to win every single game that season but the last one. Uh, but, no, I, I traveled out there uh, shortly after my 21st birthday. I was able to buy tickets before the Patriots traded for Randy Moss If if I had it. They would have been far more expensive than what I actually paid for them, about three hundred. Uh, and it was it was a great experience being the only Patriots fan in an entire section of uh, Indianapolis Colts fans. So um, it was great that you brought up the perfect season there at the end because I was thinking, you know what, I was part of a perfect regular season going to see him play down in Indianapolis, and in what was really one of the great games of that season, outside of just you know the fun. Uh, you know, trip down there and going to a different stadium and kind of being in enemy territory. 
Uh, that was one of three games that the Patriots played that year against undefeated teams past, I believe, week five or week six. So we're not talking about two 1-0 and teams facing off. We're talking about 6-0, and 8-0, and then I think there was a 10-0 and and 9-0 and team. So fun experience, paid a lot of money for it. Wish they would have won the Super Bowl at the end. <laughs> Ian, did you announce yourself as the enemy in the stands by wearing, yes. for instance, a Patriots jersey? I had a I Hate Peyton Manning t-shirt on, and on the back it said, no. Eli sucks too. Yes, it was, oh. a, it was a very, uh, uh, folks probably recognize the shirt. I'll, I have it somewhere. Oh my I have it somewhere. It's, 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 in a, it's in my closet behind me somewhere, but uh, it was a very popular shirt around that time, and, and I wore it. you Yep. Somehow you got out of town alive. Yeah. Well, I took a picture, if, if I'm sure you guys been to Indianapolis, downtown, right in the little center rotary, right at the statue, holding up my, uh, well, it was my uh, Dion Branch shirt at the time. It was my 83, but I was wearing it for Wes Welker um, with my Peyton Manning Sucks t-shirt on. So it was, a, it, it was a fun time. Like I said, I was a couple weeks removed from my 21st birthday. So there was, there was a lot going on that week for me. You have, no, you have no shame, Mr. Glenn. No, you not at no all. Shame. Our final thoughts. Can you beat that one? Well, I want to say this, Clark, and I think it's worth saying. You underestimate Bill Belichick at your peril. And here's my point. Well, the Patriots were below 500. He made a mistake letting Brady go. He can't coach anymore. Let me tell you this, Clark. I'll say it right now, and, and, and let's see what our, our boy Glendon says. That team finished seven and nine last year. They had no offense, zero. Clark, almost anybody else that's coaching that team, they're four and 12. They're four and 12. Belichick squeezed three more wins out of that team than almost anybody else would. He's going to bounce back. They spent some money. If he gets any kind of quarterback play, I mean any kind, look out. New England will be back. He also had a lot of uh, defensive players opt out last year because of COVID. So he gets players like Dante Hightower coming back this year. But to me, as you said, the key is, does he get any kind of quarterback play? Because last year he got a lot of running back play from his quarterback. You better get a guy who can throw the ball down the field, which is why they drafted Mac Jones. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Ira, tell people where they can find you on Twitter. At iKaufman76, Clark. Ian, you're next. I-G-L-E-N-31. I'm at, at Clark Judge TOF and contact us, please. Let us know what you like or don't like about this program. And if we don't hear from you, you'll hear from us right here next week. Where, Ira? On the eye test for two. You got it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>